This is The Game Show with Max Sussman, brought to you by The Gaming Stadium, Canada's leader in esports. Welcome to The Game Show, presented by The Gaming Stadium on Sportsnet 650. I'm your host, Max Sussman, and today's show is is very special because, well, it's episode 100. Yeah, we made it to episode 100, and uh, it also just so happens to be, as we talked about last week with Lawler, right in the middle of the World Championships for the Rocket League Championship Season 10, that's Season X, a season during which the very first guest ever on this show, Dylan Rizzo, retired from professional rocket league. He retired from that G2 roster. And also in this season, that G2 roster has had some very surprising success since he retired. He was replaced by Dries. They just finished in the top four in the World Championships. That was today as I'm recording this. Um, So I thought that the timing was nice and that the timing provided us with a nice kind of opportunity for some symmetry. So what I'm going to do today with episode 100 is to give you kind of the director's cut, the extended edition of that very, very first interview that I ever taped for this show. It's one of my favorite interviews because it is, frankly, uh, one of the people that I set out to have on the show when I pitched this show. I knew I wanted Rizzo and I got him, so it's one of my favorites. Um, But, you know, it, it, it just seemed like a natural way for me to celebrate episode 100, given the timing as well within Rocket League and within Rizzo's career. Um, this was taped in the fall of 2018, so a lot has changed. Not all of it will still be true. He's got different teammates, or he, you know, he's retired, but the team that he retired from, the roster was different than the team that he's talking about in this interview. Um, but the insight is still there, and I think it's just a fun look back. I, I, I just felt inclined to take a look back here, so let's do it. Without further ado, here's the extended cut, the director's cut, if you will, of my interview, my very first interview with Dylan Rizzo, then a pro Rocket League player for G2 Esports, now a content creator for G2. Let's do it right now on The Game Show on Sportsnet 650. He's a professional Rocket League player with over 2.7 million views on Twitch. He's got 170,000 plus followers on that platform, 300,000 subs on YouTube, which by my brief count is tops among Rocket League pros. Uh, He can correct me in a second if I'm wrong. 73,000 Twitter followers. He plays for G2 Esports. They won the first ever E-League Rocket League Cup in December of last year. That was the first non-Rocket League Championship Series premier tournament in the Rocket League Championship Series. Uh, he His team won the North American Regional Championships in April. He is truly one of Rocket League's most famous personalities and players and a fan favorite. They call him Rizzy, Rizby, the memer. I call him Lord of the Dance. He's one half of the Riz and Sizz connection. And he's also the owner of Straight Up Rocket League's stupidest key bindings. He is Dylan Rizzo, a.k.a. Rizzo. Rizzo, thanks for joining me, bud. Thank you so much for having me, man. Um, now, I normally start by uh, asking people about uh, their handle, their gamertag. Yours is obviously just your last name. Was that always true, or did you start with a different name on a different platform, or just before you were a pro Rocket League player? Uh, yeah, back on PS3, my dad had an account, and his name was actually Rizmo, like with an M. Mm-hmm. Was, is his first name Mo? No, it's not. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a cool name. Okay. He was getting creative with it, yeah. <laughs> um, 
Now, did you you played PS3? Did you you didn't play uh, the the first the prequel to Rocket League, Supersonic Supersonic Acrobatic Rocket Power Battle Cars, or did you? No, I, I didn't. I never even heard of the game until Rocket League came out. Me neither. And I had a, I I I was in on the weird little PS3 kind of arcade games a lot, but I never heard of it. Um, how did you first get into Rocket League, though? Uh, did you start on PC? Did you start on console? How did you get started in this? Uh, it was basically, it's like three years ago now. Uh, I had a group of friends who we always used to play Minecraft, or I always used to play Minecraft with them, and eventually they were we were all getting bored of it, so we found Rocket League on Steam, or they found it, and then they actually convinced me to buy it. It took me like a few days to actually get it. And some some heavy convincing, but I actually uh, ended up buying it. And I mean, I played private matches and like ranked with them. And eventually, it just kind of turned into what it is now. I was super addicted when I got it. Now, did I experience this? Obviously, to a little to a a smaller scale, was my friends also convinced me to check the game out. Hey, you'd like this? I'm a sports fan. It's very it's very much like playing a real sport. And then they kind of all moved on to like Destiny and The Division and I just kept playing Rocket League and then we stopped playing together because all of a sudden they were trash and I was looking for other people to play with. Did that happen to you as well or what? <laughs> well, I don't want to say they're trash, <laughs> but yeah, they don't play anymore. <laughs> uh, they basically stopped, I mean, after like a few months of playing, but I've been, I've still just been going. Every time I like, I see them on like once every six months or so, they'll like go on Rocket League. And, uh, I mean, that's basically it. Like, they don't really play much anymore. Load up your alt account and just boost them all to champ? <laughs> well, yeah, we don't talk about that. <laughs> we, we can't officially say anything like that is happening. Um, so you never played on console, hey? Uh, no, I didn't. Not Rocket League. Now, Minecraft is obviously maybe the one of the least competitive games out there. What What made you think, let me play, like, a more competitive game? Why? That's such a drastic shift. Well, I, I had always played, like, super casual games, and I still think Rocket League is, like, pretty casual. It just kind of, like, it turned into an eSport, and that's what made it so competitive, was that, like, it became bigger than what it originally was. That's what I feel, at least. I still think it's a casual game, though, because the games are so fast, at least. That's fair, yeah. It's quick quick queue times and quick game times. Um, you first came onto my radar. I kind of I actually started watching... Uh, kind of early days Rocket League esports before I had really started playing the game. You first came onto my ra- radar with Orange Creamsicle like way back in the early Rocket Royales. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, great team name by the way, phenomenal team name. Um, back in the day when your now teammate Kenovi was just winning everything all the time forever. We uh, earlier in the episode we talked to Cloud Fuel about Rocket League Central, and as somebody whose kind of pro career started there. What did it mean to you having that early pro scene with, you know, a little bit of prize money? What did that mean for you? Uh, you oh, with like Rocket League Central and Orange Creamsicle? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I, I, originally I was never actually looking to like be a pro player. And when the scene was that young, I didn't really consider people like pro players. I didn't really pay attention too much. But I found Quinn, uh, Quinn Lobdell, who is my teammate on Orange Creamsicle. And he was the one who was like, yeah, you should play. Like, you should play in this tournament with us. Like you should do it. And I mean, he finally like convinced me to do it. And I joined, I guess. And we played through the tournament and we lost. We, uh, we took flip side to game five in the, uh, the, the Rocket League Central one, which was like unheard of uh, at the time, basically. Nobody would beat flip side. Or, well, we didn't beat them, but we took them to game five, which was like an accomplishment regardless. Well, that was the first um, tournament they ever lost, right? 
in the in the uh, RLC Pro League to to uh, Crown Jewels at the end in that crazy nine game series. Oh yeah, I think that was a different one. That okay. was the I I don't know if I ever played in the Pro League. I think I I was a sub for KOU in the Pro League. I wasn't actually uh, on his team. Uh, but RLC or Rocket League Central had like weekly tournaments, right. and that's when I played with Orange Creamsicle. And yeah, taking and, taking Flipside to Game Five must have been maybe a surprise even for you back then. Yeah, it really was. And then Quinn was like, yo, we have to team. And then the next week we went into ESL and we lost in like round of 16 and then I got kicked. <laughs> so it didn't really turn out so well. Yeah, but he's in the broadcast booth now and he's, he's and you're yeah, still Yeah, now playing. he's casting. So I got the last laugh. Yeah, I guess. you did. Um, after that, you moved over to uh, Mocket Esports NA as far as I can tell uh, for quite some time. That's Mocket was one of the first organizations kind of to enter this, enter the scene how was the recruiting process? What was that like getting actually, I don't know how how official it was back then, but getting signed onto an organization like that? Uh, back then, it, was, it wasn't really super official, but the recruiting process was basically uh, low five. My former, former teammate was with Mocket uh, Esports, and he needed a team for the upcoming, I think it was RLCS at the time. So before the first RLCS, he needed teammates, and I said I was willing to team with him and then I told him to pick up influences as well or that we should try out influences and that's how that team ended up forming because I had played with influences a lot back then. What was influences like back then? That's just just for me, I'll probably cut this. <laughs> uh he was he was really young, but he wasn't like as he is now, I guess. Mm-hmm. He was he was really determined, but he was super young. So like things would bother him a lot more. Like if we got scored on, he would just be like, ah, like he would hate it. He'd have, he'd have but, Yemen moments. Yeah, not 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 that crazy of a Yemen <laughs> moment. Uh, that's a little inside baseball, I think, to actually use that question. Um, so you went from playing for a team called Orange Creamsicle uh, in small community tournaments to playing in the in the Rocket League Championship Series the first season under an actual team banner under under Mocket Esports did you start thinking hey maybe this is a job or maybe I'm a pro now or what when did that shift yeah i think as i cuz i was streaming at the time uh and that was like my income i guess and that was when i was like rocket league could actually become a thing and i wasn't even thinking about like pro play uh at that point but i thought like it could you know it could grow to that and that could happen. And then when I joined Mocket, I realized, like, yes, this could actually become a thing and this could actually happen. And so I just kept going with it. And it uh, I guess it worked out, <laughs> to say the least. To say the least. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 you guys came in six. In the, that, there was a, that was a weird year uh, for RLCS because there were two different... Yeah, that first season was just the uh, schedule, I guess. It was yeah. a little weirder, the format. Looking at... <laughs> I was trying to, like, recall. It was, it's almost two years ago now. I was trying to recall what happened. But you guys came in sixth in both the second and first qualifiers. Did you end up making it into league play? I can't remember. Uh, yeah, we made it into league play in the first and second qualifier. But we got six in like the regionals, and only top four went to land. Right, right. Okay, that's what it was. So yeah, you guys, I wouldn't say failed to qualify, but you didn't make it to land to the uh, to live the live finals. Um, in season one, was there ever a thought of like, ah, maybe this isn't for me, or were you were you starting to get more dedicated to being a pro? Uh, at that point in season one, I <laughs> nobody had expectations for us, and I didn't have expectations for myself to like qualify for us to qualify really um when it was me influences and zane i guess since we won 
Um, that was when we beat Flipside in like this, or we beat like the EU team. So it was Northern Gaming, and I think it was Flipside in like this. Uh, it was a uh, Rocket League Central again, but it was like the weekly, but it was like a big one at the time, and we ended up winning that as Take Three, which was me, Zane, and uh, Influences. Oh. So that was like, oh, you know, we could actually do a lot better. Like we could qualify for land. So at, when that happened, I started to, to like, uh, I don't know, give our team more credibility, I guess, or like more than what people thought of us. Um, so I was, I was pretty confident in that. So it kind of like sucked to not qualify, but at the same time from the very beginning and how far behind we were from the first part of season one, cause the point system, it was really weird. Yeah. Uh, it was hard for us to qualify regardless. Phenomenal segue by you. Cause we're going to move into season two with take three. And that's kind of where you blew up as kind of a personality on the scene. You guys went, you, I think you were the lowest seed coming out of North America. You, Zane, Jackie, you mentioned, and Insolence had left Mocket, formed Take 3. Um, you went on this crazy Cinderella Cinderella run at the live event in Amsterdam, the only North American team really to play at all well in that tournament, finishing fourth. What, uh, what stuck out to me as, like, as a viewer and as just like a lifelong sports fan was both you and Zane really had like personalities on stage and were not just kind of... No shots to Garrett G or Squishing Buffins, but these guys are just there playing, and they don't show you any emotion, and that's what they do. They're phenomenal players. But my first thought was, I think Rocket League needs a little bit more of this, of, of you guys are making faces at the camera, looking like you're impressed by your own goals. Was that a conscious thing, or were you just up there, you guys up just there having fun doing your thing? Uh, there was one time where, like, as it being like a conscious thing, where Zane said, the camera's on you, and then I turned and made a face, because, you know, it was just... <laughs> It was just that moment, but everything else, like if we were like impressed by our own goal or whatever, or just like hyped up or anything, that was just all natural. Uh, the whole thing was really just us having a good time and, you know, trying to pass it along to install and he ends up loving it as well. Is that why you think you guys did so well in that, in that land tournament? Like the rest of North America kind of, that was the, the true beginning of like, the, the Europe and North America are really far apart was that tournament in Europe. Do you think that's why you guys did so well? Cause you were just loose. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think that definitely helped nope. being like being lax and loose for like a tournament, uh, helps like way more than people can think of. Mm -hmm. Now coming home from that tournament, you had to know something had changed, right? Like you, you were a little, you, you and Zane specifically were kind of the stars of that tournament, even though you didn't win, but if memory serves me, and I could not find this anywhere on the internet, you were still going to school, right? You were still in, in college at the time, or you were going to go to college? Uh, no, I was. I actually never went to college, but my plan was to do it at the beginning of 2016. So this was before RLCS was a thing. Okay. So when so after that tournament, is that kind of when you were like, I'm just going to be a Rocket League streamer and pro, or had you made that decision yeah. already? Well, I, I had kind of already made the decision, but after that tournament, I was like, I, I guess I was even like more motivated, you know, like mm -hmm. you have a moment like that and you're just like, let's, let's just keep going. Yeah. I mean, you guys beat some teams. Nobody expected you to beat throughout the tournament and took teams deep in teams deep into series that nobody expected you to even come close to after that, after that tournament, after season two, you ended up signing with G2 joining. We mentioned him briefly earlier with uh, Cronovi. Then... Pro and then and probably still now the biggest name in the sport, maybe less so now, um, but just the first best player in the world. And then at the at the time, a relative unknown in JNAPS. How did that recruiting process go? 
Uh, behind the scenes, like everybody already knew that Crow and JNOPs were teaming, but nothing was announced, of course. That's usually what ends up happening is like all the players know what's going on, but they can't say anything because of, you know, reasons. Uh, <laughs> but I ended up uh, sending a message over to Crow. I was just like, hey, if you guys are still looking for a third, uh, you should consider me or something like that. Something along those lines. And he said, okay, sure. And then uh, basically what ended up happening is he scrimmed with a bunch of other people and then he scrimmed with me and like my chance came and we scrimmed against energy and we did, we didn't do like amazing, but we didn't do bad. And energy was like the powerhouse at the time. But like I said, we didn't do, we were like neutral, I guess we went even. So I, I, I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. And then uh, I think I was like closer to JNAP. So I messaged JNAP and she was like, yeah, Crow, Crow like loves playing with you or something like that. And I was like, oh, sweet. Like, that's that's cool. And he's like, yeah, we're probably just going to pick you. So Jane sent me that message like, oh, OK, cool. Uh, so that ended up just that was basically how it happened. We only did like one scrim and like we went even and that was basically it. But the I fact guess they, like it was probably like the play style that I had. Yeah. I, that's actually what Chris said. It was like the play style. And back then you were a little you were very much if I recall correctly, you're very much kind of still in that hard third man role which was in support of kind of the more offensive minded yeah. JNAPs and Cronovi, which I guess fit that's obviously changed did you I think at the time JNAPs that was his first competitive season as far as I know did you did you know how good that kid was going to become uh I yeah I mean it was his first season I guess I didn't know how like amazing he would like uh, the amazing shots he would hit like on land. I don't know if you've seen all those, but oh, yeah. some of them are pretty ridiculous, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, we, we definitely knew he was good. And like, I knew he was good and I wanted a team with him because I had played like ranked with him, you sure. know, ranked is very like, it's not something to judge off of, but seeing somebody uh, like how they play in that sort of situation definitely like helps, I guess. in a sense. Did you feel any pressure joining what was at the time they'd won season one as I buy power, but did you feel any pressure joining specifically Cronovi's team? You, you had to know that there was going to be a special kind of spotlight on you. Uh, I didn't feel pressure because they had like one season one, because I think after season two, that whole thing was kind of already, mm-hmm. you know, in the dust, it was, it was left behind after that. Uh, and then the whole, you know, when a new team forms and you replace uh two of the three players, it's definitely not the same team and it's not the same. Uh, it shouldn't be the same expectations, although sometimes it is, but that's a, that's another, that's another story, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, um, joining like Crow's team, definitely. I had like, uh, probably towards the end of the season when we kind of swapped, uh, that was more so when the uh, expectations like came into play. You mean, are you talking about when you guys started 4-0 in that season and then kind of had yeah, not, exactly not so that. great at the end? Yeah. Um, your team, it just in my analysis, has this super interesting dynamic where Cronovi's maybe the biggest name in the sport. He's got his own item in the game. I don't think you have your own item in the game, do you yet? It's just him and Marky and Squishy. And, tur- and yeah, Turbo, Turbo now. He's got the two-time topper that's too tall. Um and you already at this point were one of the biggest content creators of, of, of from the pro scene. Jay Knapp's one of the most dynamic strikers in the sport, uh, if not the kind of big content creation personality you and Crow are. But your team has always had 
great chemistry, great synergy. And at this point, I think you might be Rocket League's longest-lasting consistent roster, especially with complexity breaking up. That's I think they're off the table. Um, yeah, we are. Yeah. Do you think that all the fact that all three of you guys are kind of equally stars in your own right contributes to that chemistry? There's no there's no Barry Bonds personality there. <laughs> Barry Bonds. Yeah, and no, nobody like with the, with the giant like lazy boy lounge chair in his locker, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it definitely helps. I mean, every single team always needs to be on the same page, or else you're not going to perform. Um, if you if you guys aren't like. I guess working together to like fix problems then you're not going to see any improvement because it's just going to turn into like people, I don't want to say like nagging at each other, but it's like, it's like a resentment, I guess, towards your teammates. If you know, you guys aren't doing well or you guys aren't actually noticing what the problem is and you're not working to fix it because then it's just like the problem is just floating in the air and everybody's thinking about it, but nobody's saying anything. Mm -hmm. See, this is why when I play with one, with one with when I play with one person who's lower ranked than me, I just play threes and we can blame the third person who's not who's not <laughs> exactly. in our chat. <laughs> it doesn't matter who did what. It's always that random third's fault. Um Yeah. You guys kinda have this history of uh inconsistency, and I think you've kind of dashed those those expectations in re- in recent tournaments, but a history of kind of sort of being inconsistent online and then really coming through at live events, whether that be RLCS or when you won, uh, won E-League, and that was pretty much all on all uh, live event. But season five, the most recent season of RLCS, it kind of flipped. You guys were you're dominant online. You finished first in the, uh, the NA regional playoffs. And then at the live finals in London, you didn't win a series. You lost to Complexity and Evil Geniuses finishing eighth or something like that. What, what do you th- did anything change, or was it just kind of luck of the draw? You just had a couple bad series in London or what? Uh, I wouldn't really say luck of the draw. I like looking back, you know, it, it was very obvious we didn't actually perform well. And that was, like I said, there was a problem in the air that wasn't resolved. And we thought we had fixed it, but, um, you know, clearly, clearly it didn't happen. We weren't all on the same page, and that's just how it went down. Was it your keybinds? Was that the problem? It was my keybinds. Yeah, <laughs> I played too much with John Sandman. Yeah, that's, that's okay. That, we'll get to that in a second because I do have a question about that because that okay. that was the like oh he's playing volleyball and rumble. Let's just get to it now. Whenever whenever you guys underperform and specifically when maybe Rizzo has an off day, it's always oh, he's playing too much with John Sandman. He's playing too much <laughs> with Wolfless. He's playing volleyball. He's playing like drop shot rumble boomer mode. How do you deal with that kind of criticism as, I mean, content creation is kind of where, you, where you, was your first uh, goal, I think, before you even thought about becoming a pro Rocket League player? Uh, I don't, dealing with that kind of criticism isn't really easy, I guess. Not for me. I kind of, I try to think of it as like a joke, I guess. Like, oh, you know, they're joking when they say this. So it makes me feel better, you know, like a little bit. Because if you just think like, oh, you know, you're playing too much with John Sandman, ha ha. Like, it, it makes you think of it, like, less seriously. Because in my mind, um, there's so much that happens, like, not on camera. You see a video of me playing with John for 30 minutes, but you don't see uh, me scrimming with Jitsu or whatever, playing, talking in Discord, all that stuff. Like, that stuff's not recorded, obviously. Uh, but that's what you, like, that's what you and, like, people don't see is there's all that. So, like, I know that that 30 minutes won't actually change anything. But um, I guess other people just think differently. I want you to know I've <laughs> never I've never said anything like that on the subreddit ever before. I get it. 
Okay, um, good. I promise you. You're listening to The Game Show presented by The Gaming Stadium. I'm Max Sussman, and after the break, more of episode 100 with the extended cut of my very first interview with Dylan Rizzo from G2 Esports on The Game Show on Sportsnet 650. You play, you win at the Gaming Stadium, Canada's first esports arena and Canada's leader in online esports tournaments. The only place to play in local tournaments for whatever game you're great at. Online tournaments all week long with all your favorite games like Fortnite, Call of Duty, Valorant, TFT, Rocket League, and more. At Canada's leader in esports, visit thegamingstadium.com for more information. Welcome back to The Game Show with Max Sussman, brought to you by The Gaming Stadium, Canada's leader in esports. Welcome back to The Game Show, presented by The Gaming Stadium here on Sportsnet 650. I'm your host, Max Sussman. Today, it's episode 100. I'm taking a look back at the uh, first interview in the first episode I ever taped. This is the extended edition, the director's cut, whatever you want to call it, uh, with Dylan Rizzo, who goes by Rizzo in-game. He was uh, then a professional Rocket League player for G2 Esports. He is now retired and creating content on YouTube and Twitch for G2 Esports. But before we get to that... Let me give you a quick classic radio tease, a quick preview of what's coming after that. I've asked the same five questions to every single person who's come on the show in the past hundred episodes over two years. I call it the final five, and I've not really been like tracking hard data on what the answers have been, but I did go back and listen to all of them over the course of the last couple of weeks, and I have some interesting takeaways from that. So we're going to go through the most common final five answers after the rest of this interview with Rizzo. That's up next right now, the rest of that first interview in the history of the show with Rizzo on The Game Show on Sportsnet 650. Um, let's get yeah. let's get into the nitty, the nitty gritty kind of day to day of what it's like playing Rocket League professionally. How do Rocket League teams practice? You've mentioned scrims. Maybe just kind of go into that a little bit further. Uh, so recently, people are starting to scrim more and more. I think as the esport is like getting bigger and it's being taken more seriously, people are just scrimming more. So in the past, I guess some people would scrim for like an hour, like each night, um, or some some teams wouldn't even scrim every day. Whether that's just because they couldn't or because uh, a lot of people were young and a lot of people, uh, excuse me, a lot of people were in school and stuff like that, so they couldn't. But for us, um, right now we haven't been scrimming just because it's like an off period. Uh, that's usually most teams. If there's not a tournament coming up, most teams don't scrim, so you can't even schedule stuff regardless. Mm -hmm. But once uh, tournaments start popping up and people are starting to get ready, you'll see people scrimming every night for like two hours. Uh, is like the norm now. Still get like an hour block of scrims versus one team and then an hour uh, a different time with like a five minute break in between or something like that. How much do you play and a day just kind of in general? In general, I probably play like 
four to six hours. Um, recently, we've been scrimming for like four hours. So it's like four hours of solid practice, which is like, I don't know. The four hours of solid practice is a lot better than 12 hours of ranks. You sure. Know? Yeah. Now, do you, is there any kind of coaching or replay review element to it? Or are you guys just playing and talking to each other about how you're playing or, hey, when I'm when I go for a kickoff, I try to lose the ball back behind me, or like yada yada yada. Or is it just just that, or do you have somebody spectating? How does it work? Uh, usually, it's a lot like it's pretty laid back, but it, it's as soon as we start noticing like a problem or like something that's constantly happening that like shouldn't be happening, we'll we'll call something out or just say something, um, just to like let people know that like hey, this is like why this is happening. Because from like I say like a lot, I just realized that, but <laughs> from from uh, if I'm making a mistake from my point of view, it's a lot harder to realize like why it's happening because I'm the one making the mistake. So if Crow or JNF calls it out, or even Jazo, our manager, if he calls it out or says something, then it definitely like helps a lot. So is he sitting in your scrim spectating, or is he is he watching? Yeah, his, he's yeah. he's usually in there spectating, and he watches like all the time, unless he has like something to do that night. He's in there most of the time. Now. Uh... Uh, Mike Gregan, who used to be a broadcaster, kind of signed on to coach uh, Renault Vitality maybe mid-season last year. What do you think he's doing? Is he doing the same thing Jazzo's doing? Uh, I, I'm i really not sure. I feel like you have to have like a special sort of dedication to do what Jazzo's doing. <laughs> uh, personally, for me, I think I think Jazzo does... Uh, there's a lot of times where he's there and it's like... It feels like... I mean, I'm appreciative that he is there, but it feels like he shouldn't, if that makes sense, because he's just there. He's just there watching, you know. Yeah. And I don't. I don't really know what Gregan does all too much, though. So. He has a nice voice, and he talks to Pashi on the. Yeah, phone. He, he just casts uh, their games <laughs> while they scare, and that's what he does. Into their ears. Um, yeah. Something I've always been curious about: esports contracts. What is you mentioned not really having anything super official with Mocket, but G two is like a real international esports organization they've got counter-strike teams they've got league of legends teams what is what is the like what is what does your contract look like without obviously going into too much detail (laughs) (laughs) um i don't i don't really know because i'm not actually supposed it's like a norm to not talk about your contract maybe Um, let me ask more specific questions and if you can't answer you can't answer them um do you get a salary or do you just live off prize money uh, yes, we get a salary. That's that's definitely a norm in Rocket League. Okay. If you're in RLCS and you're signed, you have a salary. Does like nobody would sign without one. Yeah, a, no player would do that willingly. Yeah. Good, I'm glad that I I just was wondering because um, there's no union, there's no kind of this is a it's kind of like the a, a wild west when it comes to sports uh, law basically. Yeah. Um. Do do the organizations take any of that prize money, or does that go right to you guys? Uh, depends on the organization. Okay. If you say you wanted to play for another team, for whatever reason, all of a sudden I hate Cronovi, I want to go play for Cloud9, could you or is could the organization block you? Uh, it could go both ways, actually. Mm. Uh, it, it really depends like how bad the situation is. Uh, I guess like if I if I really hated Cronovi, <laughs> you know, and there was a blank spot on C9 and C9 wanted me, I there's, you know, a good chance I could go to C9, but I don't hate Crow, and we don't hate each other, so... <laughs> Rizzo hates Kenobi confirmed, yeah? Confirmed, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, on, on the flip side, 
could Cronovi just cut you? Like, how much kind of protection do you have from being just dropped from the roster? Uh, if if there if there was like a group decision where like Jnaps and Crow were like, we don't want to play with this guy anymore, and then Jazo butts in too. He's like, you know, he really isn't fitting here. Uh, <laughs> then yeah, I could get the boot. It's, he's, it's definitely not out of the question. He's but. really got these dumb keybinds. He's out. Yeah, his keybinds are really bringing us down. Uh, um, is there any kind of clause that says you have you have to stream or create YouTube content for G two, or is that just something? Because I, I like I noticed JNAPS doesn't do it nearly as much as you and Kenobi do. Is that just something you choose to do, or what? Uh, since it's not in our contract, I'll actually just say it's not a requirement. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely like if you're signed on to any org, they would love it if you made content, right? Everybody, it's like free advertising for the org. Uh, some orgs do require you. Uh, obviously, I'm not going to say which one, but it just depends on the situation. And like, I don't know, if you get one thing, you know, something else might come onto the table with like a contract, right? It's like give and take. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, let's stay on content creation for a second, because I've noticed that for whatever reason, Rocket League pros either don't try or don't really struggle to achieve the kind of success you and Crow have had on YouTube and Twitch. And Kenovi had this uh, advantage of being crazy good at the game before anybody knew how to fly. Um, you're, you you were kind of the first non-SARP BC vet to really take off on YouTube. And I, I still think I'm right. I think you've got the most subs of any of the pros. Um, yeah, Squishy's really close. I'm pretty sure he's going to pass me because I've been really lazy. But <laughs> well, Your words. Um I think he just put up like a 120,000 subscriber video. I don't think he's that close to you. Or maybe 200,000. He's a ways off. Um, so as as arguably Rocket League's biggest content... Uh, okay, League, we can say that. <laughs> we can say arguably professional Rocket League's biggest content creator. Maybe maybe Johnny Boy's got a bigger following, but he doesn't play. He just talks. Um, why do you think more pros don't see that kind of success on YouTube? Is there something about Rocket League or just the people in Rocket League? Uh, I think... It's, it's actually like a mixture of both. Um, Rocket League, for me, and I'm pretty sure for everybody else, it is super hard to make content on, which is why there are only like, you know, five to ten Rocket League YouTubers, like dedicated Rocket League YouTubers. Because the one thing you can do, or I guess two things, right, is you can like open crates and trade. Like mm. that's one video idea and play ranked or just play. Like those are your two options, basically. And when like when I come on and I'm just like, okay, let's make a video. The first thing I think of is, okay, I have to play ranked. That's <laughs> like always what I do. Um, so there's not like a lot of options for content. Say like if you wanted to be a, a Fortnite content creator, for example, you have like the sandbox mode. You could mess around with whatever. You could do like these challenges where like, I don't know, you have to get all gold weapons. Like you can be really creative with it. But Rocket League, like if I go into ranked and I try to win a game going backwards, I'm just going to lose. Like there's, <laughs> there's not really much of a, like a, I don't know, a way to do those challenges, I guess. There's the one thing I can think of. Yeah, it's a good point. The one thing I can think of like that was there was a brief series where Kronovi and Lachinio tried to get to some rank, but like playing backwards or playing without boosting or something like that. And they actually made it pretty far but you're limited right when you get to a certain level yeah once you hit, the, we'll hit a certain point you can't really do that challenge anymore because people are just gonna be like what are you doing like i'm just gonna go past you <laughs> you can't you can't booze backwards right um, yeah is that kind of what led to the well i think they're pretty creative the videos you do with john sandman where like you've got 
one hand tied tied behind your back or you're playing on keyboard mouse. Oh, right, like the handicap videos. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say that like led to it. It was John's idea initially. He had he was doing it with somebody else. I'm pretty he was sure. Doing it with Lachlan, where he Lachlan was like a gold two, and John is champ one or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's what they were doing at first. Um, so they did that, and then Lachlan kind of stepped away. He went to Fortnite. As <laughs> they all do. Quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, as they all do, went to Fortnite. Um, but yeah, John just asked me to do it, and I mean, it's it's worked out really well. I've had a lot of fun. That's probably like the most fun I have recording are the videos with John. I think it shows. Those are pretty much the only Rocket League you know, like YouTube videos I still watch. I just kind of watch the pro scene. But those ones are generally still entertaining because otherwise you're right. Like it's all it's either watching Squishy or Justin practice wave dashing in free play or it's just watching something <laughs> grind rank. And it's crazy exactly. to watch those guys. It it's crazy to watch them free play, but I'm never going to be able to do that stuff. So. <laughs> Yeah, the biggest variety you're going to get is like watching somebody switch to Dominus and then back to Octane the next game. All right, so that brings me to a, another question. You have recently switched to Dominus after, as far as I can tell, only ever using Octane. Um, I've mained the Octane since I got the game. I've switched off for fun or when I was trying to practice cooks or pinches on the Batmobile. Um, sell me on the Dominus. Why did you switch and why should I switch? Why should you say, am I trying to sell it to you? Well, just sell people on it. I just like, why did you make the switch? Uh, I really, I'm, I don't have like a definitive reason. I was just kind of bored, I guess. And then I, I used the Dominus for like, like a messing around game. I was like, this, this feels pretty nice. And then I think I kept using it for the day. And then we scrimmed later in the day. And I was like, do you guys mind if I use Dominus? Like, no, if you feel good with it, then go for it. I was like, all right. But I just kept feeling good with it. So I just kept using it. I was actually going to use it at the RLCS land, but um, there was like, so we had, I had like my setup at home. I was using Dominus. We went to our boot camp, and I think I was using Dominus there too. But as soon as we got to like the actual venue and we were practicing backstage, my game felt really weird. And I had to like use Octane um, because I, I don't know what it was. I had like the same settings, but I really just think it was the setup and it was messing with me. So I switched to Octane just to like feel good about the game. Interesting. I guess I do the opposite. So that's why I use it. When I'm feeling crappy on the Octane, I switch to Dominus and then switch back and feel better on Octane. That's, <laughs> that's, exactly. That's, that's what I was saying. With the variety, people will switch yeah. and they'll switch back. They're like, oh, it's good again. Yeah, it's like swinging a weighted baseball bat, especially with the turning radius difference. Um, exactly. That's, that's exactly how I think yeah. about it. Uh, we're almost done here. Just going to last couple questions. We've teased your key bindings. Um, and now I'm going to ask you an actual question about your key bindings because, man, they're absolutely crazy can you just, just can you just like so i'm gonna quickly run down default controls circles boost x is jump r2 is go or right right bumper i don't know the xbox controls l2 is backwards um and you steer with the left stick left and right generally and you pitch up and down in the air with it what are your controls rizzo uh well i have an xbox controller so i'll try to say like a playstation yeah, yeah. you can just do your thing <laughs> so x is uh this is PlayStation. So X would be boost, square would be uh, jump. And I use my analog stick, my left one, to accelerate. So when I move it up, I go forward. When I move it back, or when I move it down, I go backwards. And then my air roll is on a, uh, L2, and my drift is on R2. It's crazy. Talk. So it's a little different. It's almost like, at least with the analog stick, it's sort of like the, uh, the vehicles in Halo. Is that, is that where you took inspiration from? A lot of people ask that, but I barely played Halo. Um, <laughs> 
when I the reason why I have those keybinds is when I started playing Rock League, I was constantly well with when I switched to controller. I started on keyboard mouse. Yeah. Different story. Um when I switched to controller, I was always pressing the wrong buttons. So like when I would I don't know, I would I would constantly just press the wrong buttons and it was frustrating me. So I would switch it or I just switched it to the buttons that like I thought my head in my head that it should be. And then I started pressing the right buttons because I switched it to them. And that's exactly just how I started playing, and that's how I got used to it. And at this point, you're too deep in. You can't obviously can't change your controls and then put in another 2,000 hours on them and get back to where you are. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's there's time to switch, but why would I do that? Yeah, that's fair. It's, it's, it's your thing now, right? You're the guy with the crazy keybinds. It's my thing. It's my thing. <laughs> um, I do the same way I start with uh, everybody's uh, gamer tag. I like to end the show with the same five questions. Um, I will sort of amend them. You're not allowed to answer Rocket League to any of these. Um, what is your favorite eSport to watch? Ooh. Oh, ooh, ooh. Uh, mm. League of Legends if it's Worlds. Okay. CSGO, otherwise. Okay, CSGO is fun. Um, outside of Rocket League, favorite eSport to play? Uh, Fortnite, I guess. Is that, is that an eSport? Are we calling that an eSport? I don't, I, we can count it. We can count it. <laughs> a lot of RNG in that game for an eSport. Um, and this one, okay, this one you can actually answer for Rocket League if you want. Um, every gamer, my theory is every gamer kind of has a moment in their life or in a particular game where they get hooked and go, oh, this is this thing, this game, or just games in general are the best. Mine, I'll, I'll, I'll unveil a little bit about myself. Uh, my Rocket League moment was after the Season 1 hard reset, I was – online when it happened and I updated my game and I came back <clears throat> came back online to and I queued up with zero people online is what the game said um and I <laughs> and I guess Kronovi was one of those zero people because we got thrown into a game together I had about 20 hours in the game and didn't know you could fly was still had camera shake on default camera settings 90 FOV um and I played this game with him and he was playing 30 feet above my head thankfully he was on my team so I got a good win. So I got a good win to start the ranked season, and that hooked me to Rocket League. Did you have a moment, a singular moment like that with Rocket League, where you said, "Wow, this is just a phenomenal game"? Uh, I don't think it was a single moment, but it was like multiple. I guess it started as a single moment. So I would always queue solo standard, oh. which I would never recommend. No, I would never recommend that game mode anymore. God help you. But <laughs> that is that is how I always played. I would always just queue up on solo standard, and I ran into like the pros at the time or the start vets you know, the people who played the previous game and I would run into them and I would watch them play. And I would always like, Oh, I hope they're on my team. Cause I've been loading in and you know, if they're not on my team, whatever, then we'll play. Um, Rage quit. But that was always like the moment where like, I want to be able to like keep up with these guys, I guess was when I would see them and I'd be like, Oh, that's so cool what they're doing. <laughs> he just flew all the way up and scored. I, I gotta figure out how to do that. Yeah. Similar, yeah, exactly. similar thing. Um, what was the last game? The fourth of the final five questions. What was the last game that you played, besides Rocket League, that you really loved? Uh, it was Minecraft. <laughs> <laughs> you don't really love Fortnite? Well, you said before Rocket League. That's fair. I mean, I meant to say besides Rocket League. Oh, okay. But yeah, probably Minecraft. I played a lot more Minecraft than I did Fortnite. That's fair. I, dude, I still play. I still play Minecraft sometimes. Um, and I'm in my thirties. What? Um, yeah, same. I don't like to admit it, but <laughs> I've seen nice. you. I've seen you in Wolfless's videos, just doing some, <laughs> doing some competitive Minecraft. Um, what co what game coming out soon? Are you excited to get your hands on? Ooh, there's a uh, Mountain Blade Two Bannerlord. 
I don't know if you've heard of it. Nope. <laughs> but it's like medieval horses and swords and stuff and like armies. Really oh. cool. If you've never seen Mountain Blade uh, in general. It's like it's like one of my favorite games, but the game is so old that like I really want the new one to come out. Cool. Well, when that comes out and you guys have a bad week, they can say, oh, he's playing too much Mountain Blade. Yeah, I'll, I'll let that one slide. They can, they can blame that one. <laughs> that be, one might actually It'll be your arc. <laughs> that's a Devo, yeah, my arc. <laughs> that's a Devo joke. Uh, all right, that uh, just about does it. Thank you so much, Rizzo, for joining me here on The Game Show. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was fun. That was the unedited full director's cut of my first ever interview with Dylan Rizzo from G2 Esports. What's up? You're listening to The Game Show presented by The Gaming Stadium on Sportsnet 650. And this is episode 100. And to celebrate that, not only did I take you back to my first ever interview and give you the unedited version of it, but I've also gone through all 100 of the episodes, all I want to say like probably 70 or so final fives that I've done over the years. Those are the same five questions I asked the first time I have a new guest on the show. Repeat guests don't get asked. That's why I'm just guessing. Probably 60 to 70 iterations of these five questions. And I went through all that and figured out what my guests said more often than not. I teased it at the beginning of this segment. Uh, So here it finally is. Let's get to it. As you heard, though, at the end of that interview, Uh, With Rizzo, the Final Five has evolved over the course of the year and a half, two years I've been doing the show. Um, That was the first iteration of it. But the most most common five questions are, or this is kind of where we landed and what I've been rolling with for a very long time. Number one, what's your favorite esport to play? Number two, what's your favorite esport to watch? Number three, what's your favorite game of all time? Number four, what's the last game you played you really loved? And number five, what's a game coming out soon that you're excited to play? Now... As I did with Rizzo for the favorite eSport question to play as well as watch uh, as well as the favorite game of all time question, I often limited guests so they couldn't answer, you know, with Rocket League in Rizzo's case or, uh, you know, just with the game they play professionally. So I actually think these results are kind of reliable in that regard. So let's get uh, let's get into it. The most common what's your favorite eSport to play answer? Well, that was League of Legends by a country mile. Counter-Strike was second. Rocket League a distant third. Now... I think the Rocket League part, probably a self-selecting sample size. I've had a lot of Rocket League casters and owners and Rocket League-related guests that would have picked that. But League of Legends, Counter-Strike, no surprise. Those are the two big esports, along with Dota, I guess. Uh, Just speaks to how accessible those games are, both in terms of playability and watchability. The most common favorite esport to watch was Counter-Strike by a pretty wide margin. I feel that big time. It's my second favorite esport to watch. I feel like that's the case for a lot of people. Um, like like League fans, Rocket League fans, Dota fans, everybody's got some attraction to Counter-Strike. It's a very accessible game to watch. Um, if you're a big Overwatch fan, you're probably also watching Counter-Strike. If you're a big League fan, like I said, you're probably watching Counter-Strike. It's got one of the best spectator experiences in all of esports. Easily the best first-person shooter uh, spectator experience. Um, and it's just so old. It's easy to pick up with narratives to get you hooked and, and, and sucked in easily. Even if you suck at the game, like I do. Uh, the most common favorite game of all time, I found this super interesting, was The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Super Mario World was a, was a distant second there. Uh, there was a lot of different answers to this. There's only like five or six Legends of Zelda's Ocarina of Time answers. Um, not a surprise, though. Classic Nintendo games are kind of where everybody comes together on gaming. Casual gamers, hardcore gamers, console, PC, whatever. Everybody can kind of agree 
yo, the classic Nintendo games are great. The, the, the most common what's the last game you played you loved was either Among Us, Fall, Fall Guys, or Fortnite, but I think that was a, a temporal thing. Those were the three biggest trendy games during the run of this show so far. Um, I don't know how much I want to take away from that information, uh, and it will surprise no one, given that we're talking about the time period between 2018 and now, that... The most anticipated game by far over the course of 100 episodes, and one of the most common answers to any of these questions was Cyberpunk 2077, which we all know did not live up to those expectations. Now, I hope you found that as interesting as I did. I want to thank Rizzo for helping me launch my show. I want to thank Craig McEwen as well for greenlighting it and uh, championing it. Championing it to the higher-ups at Sportsnet. Thanks to Spiro Curry for believing in me and to the Gaming Stadium for sponsoring the show from day one, like before day one, day zero, they were there. They were in on the ground floor. Uh, a joking thanks to Joey Kenward and Scott Rintoul, who I always had to kick out of Studio B at Sportsnet uh, to record episodes. Big, huge thanks to Jay, Connor, and Jordan at the Gaming Stadium for recording the show from the production suite there since we moved over to a work-from-home situation. Of course, thank you for listening to these 100 episodes. And an especially big thanks to any of you who have ever tweeted or emailed me or come up to me in public and said you like the show or come up to me at the gaming stadium and said that, it really does, it means a whole lot. I love to I love to hear back from everybody. Um, I'm your host, Max Sussman. You can find me on Twitter at TrulyAppyMax and on Twitch at twitch.tv slash MaxBussman. This has been The Game Show presented by The Gaming Stadium. Until next time, whatever you do, don't tilt.